Welcome back to the podcast for winners. I'm James. This is my co-host Zach. And on today's episode, we're going to have a light, light discussion about renewable energy. What are renewables? How can we effectively use them going forward to kind of deal with this climate change problem we're having? Is climate change real? All that coming up. Welcome back to the podcast for winners. On today's episode, we're talking about renewable energy, Zach. So what- Big, big subject. <laughs> big subject, especially now with our whole climate change problem we're having now. It's, it's, um, uh, it's a doozy, it's a big one, you know? It's, it's definitely a doozy. Uh, I saw an infographic map on NASA's website the other day about the change in temperature between like 1886 and 2019. Started off blue, had an ended in a deep, deep red. So it has me a little bit concerned. Yeah, yeah. So. I mean, <laughs> I, I'm not the person to ask about how the climate is changing exactly, but I would just say, leave, leave that to the, uh, the experts in that area, right? But it's, it's definitely a problem. It's the, yeah, it definitely seems to be a problem. So. Let's talk about some alternative energy sources. So, of course, the number one thing would be renewable energy. It's renewable. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the idea, right? You can just keep... I, I think where this originally came from, I mean, it has to, just in the name, is like as opposed to fossil fuels that we take out of the ground and burn, and there's a finite amount of them for all intents and purposes until the Earth is no longer habitable, things like wind and solar just we can keep using them forever and ever and ever not forever really because you know the energy of the universe is going to run out eventually or the earth's going to burn up or whatever you know all these horrible things that are right. ultimately out of our control but it's that, that went real morbid real fast yeah but uh yeah don't worry guys we got a while so consult yeah. your local astrophysicist if you're worried though they'll, they'll reassure you that you will yeah. be dead long before you have to worry about <laughs> any of that happening <laughs> Don't worry about it. You're going to be dead long before any of this happens. So, but, uh, so yeah, that's right. A renewable is basically a source of energy that there's not some finite amount of. Um, and I actually, I don't love just like thinking of, well, how do we solve climate change in terms of like, Oh, there's renewable energy and there's fossil fuel. That's probably not, quite the right way to think about it. And I think most people that work in that space would probably say so. Um, and there's a lot of different reasons for that, but one of them that I like to point out, because one of the arguments that used to be popular, I haven't heard it in a while, um, I've heard Elon Musk make it, it's basically just to like, well, like forget about climate change and blah, 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 and all that for a minute. Just like fund fundamentally, we're gonna run out of these resources eventually in terms of fossil fuels. And that's uh, technically true, but it's really, not in terms of like what we're worried about with climate change. Like we could keep burning fossil fuels for hundreds of more years, probably. Um, yeah. Part of that is people see like what reserves of fossil fuels do we have? Cause the government publishes that data, but that's not a reserve is not, this is how much is left. A reserve is what is economically feasible to get right now. So there's a right. lot more than what the reserves are when you see those numbers. Okay. So like when 
they publish data that says, oh, the U.S. has 100 years of oil reserve. It's actually more. Yeah, I mean, that, that basically, it's what it's stuff that we know where it is and we know we can extract it for right. like with the given technology and user, basically. Right. Um, yeah. So for example, once hydraulic fracturing technology started developing and taking off that increased the total number of reserves of uh, fossil fuels that we knew that we had. Right. Because now cool. all of a sudden we're not just going into sandstones and limestones, which is what people almost exclusively did for a long time. They're, Nice porous formations, right? With lots of mm -hmm. uh, space for the fossil fuels to be in. They started going into the shales, which are have much, much smaller uh, pathways through the rock, basically. And that's why we pump a bunch of high pressure down the hole and break it into a bunch of little pieces. And we get more of that gas oil out. Cool. But uh, the point is, that's not a good argument for renewable energy. <laughs> it's that we're <laughs> oil. Yeah. There are there are very good arguments for using renewable energy, right? That are not related yeah. to the fact that we might run out of oil. Yeah, like, I mean, it's. I think we sustainability, which is like a, a super broad term, but I think we should always be working toward becoming a more efficient and sustainable society. Whether that's um, not saying that being reliant on. Um, Fossil fuels is inefficient. It's very efficient, but I think it, there has to be some sort of realistic thought process in that the path we're on right now isn't the healthiest. So whether we run out of it or not, there has to be a, a slight shift in the way we do things. Yeah, well, and it's it goes beyond just uh, climate change too. It's just fundamentally there's so many of us, and we do so much stuff, and we use so much right. energy now that like everything we do is disruptive to different ecosystems and earth systems in different ways, right? And yeah. there's ways, I can't remember what the term for it is, um, but it's kind of looking at the earth biological system holistically as like a large system. And you start to do that and there's these like really crazy effects on like, I don't know what happens if, all the wolves in an area die and like it affects us in all these unpredictable ways because everything's interconnected, right? Mm -hmm. So it's important to continue the kind of paradigm shift that I think we're on right now, at least yeah. in more developed countries, right? Where we know that we need to start thinking about more sustainability, preservation, uh, how do we keep everything clean, right? But that also kind of fundamentally is at odds with the fact that there's also lots of other countries that really need this energy right now as they're growing and developing. Yeah. And also the fact that like with climate change in particular, like you need, because all these new changes and effects are going to be happening to communities and their infrastructure, you need people to have the capability to be resilient and respond and adapt to these changes. And mm -hmm. that also takes energy. So we're, we're in a bit bit of a pickle. Right. Well, in a lot of ways. But yeah. And um, when we, renewable energy helps us with diversification. See, we have here. Um, so just like in. Mm, yeah. Which I think it's something that you kind of touched on. But just like in your stock portfolio, if you. Pay attention, you're 
invested in several different industries. So if something impacts one industry, um, the overall of your portfolio is not impacted as much as if you were just had all your eggs in one basket. So yeah. we're trying to get all of our eggs out of that single basket as well. And it helps us to be more resilient and adapt. Resilience, robustness, definitely good things uh, for the local community and for the national security infrastructure, for international security infrastructure, if you look at it that way. Great. Um, before we get too deep, let's talk about some different types of renewables. So Yeah, there's a lot. Um, so the, the big two would be solar and wind. Right. Those are presumably. the highest capacity ones, basically, the ones that can provide most of the energy needs. Right. Um, I, I wrote batteries down here, but someone's going to yell at us because they're not really an energy source like them and hydrogen fuel right. cells. They're ways of storing energy that was generated by something right. else. Right. Yeah. But they're, they are important to this. Yeah. Very important to this industry. But like battery technology is very, yeah. I wouldn't say behind, but it's... It's, yeah, it's it's limited in terms of like its ability to keep up with some of the other uh, technologies, mm -hmm. and yeah. So the the problem the problem is high level. These things like solar and wind they fluctuate with how much power they generate, right? Right. And so then you need ways of either storing that energy when there's too much of it, or ways to make up for it when there isn't enough of it, right? And so that's where kind of energy right. storage comes in. And actually, in a weird twist of fate, uh, so natural gas has been great for the adoption of wind and solar, actually, for exactly that reason, because you basically just have a generator and you fire it up as much as you want to just, like, finish matching the energy needs or whatever, right? Yeah. So then it helps uh, kind of balance out that intermittency. But it, these fundamentally, the energy systems that are getting deployed now and the ones of the future are a lot more complicated than the ones that we used to have. And mm -hmm. in a lot of ways, that's good, but it creates, there, there's a lot of inertia to change all that infrastructure over, right? Like it's hard to get those shifts to happen. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot on like the IT and computer science side of things now then that goes into that. And yeah, it's just a whole big complicated thing. We can talk yeah. about other types of renewables too. So on our list here, we have... Also, hydropower, biomass, tidal, tidal, and geothermal. I don't know what the adoptions of all those are. Those are all ones that are very location dependent. Like, yes, if you have the resource in the area, it can be a really good thing, but it's just not scalable to like an entire country, for example. Um, I like geothermal a lot, actually. So, certain types of geothermal are not so dissimilar from petroleum engineering. So, I spent a little bit of time in school studying that. Um, so, that was fun. But yeah. Best estimates yeah. of geothermal are like, if this technology develops really well, we could get to like three or four percent of the United States power needs. So it's it's not going to be the whole solution, but it is a cool thing. Yeah, and I think like of course, no, no one thing's going to be the whole the whole solution. You know, it's going to take a combination of of different things and different ideas. I think. Uh, do you think in some ways our progress with renewable energy is being hindered by the United States government? <laughs> it's a big question. This administration, probably. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but, I mean, I think, like, <laughs> you, you know, 
like it's not like I've been sitting here watching every single year exactly what the U.S. government's doing and trying to judge like what do I think they should be doing. But they've been I, watching you. I know for a while it's like we've been investing in it. Like there, I don't. As far as I know, there hasn't really been a time that the government stance was like, no, we don't want this. And especially right. like just fundamentally with the Department of the Defense, like it would be better if we had all renewables and batteries because then we don't need the supply lines of fuel. Like, it's, right. so like if, if you don't think that the government hasn't at least been somewhat concerned about this for a while, then I feel like I should be able to change your mind just by saying, well, the department, the department of defense would love this. And you know, we all know how, how big our defense budget is. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's definitely not stated enough that this is actually in everyone's best interest. I know like short-term politics will kind of like hinder some processes, but like you said, with the Department of Defense, can you imagine like the amount of funds that would be behind some of these projects? Oh yeah, absolutely. If things like say if not just the Department of Defense, but most government agencies or most private industry had some sort of like vested interest in it's complicated too, so people get mad because, like, certain in certain ways, the government subsidizes uh, fossil fuels, uh, including Obama. Obama was actually really supportive of like the shale gas revolution, which mm-hmm. a lot of people I don't think take into account. But and like part of that was like before that we had a lot of coal in the infrastructure. Yeah, natural gas is just a lot cleaner than coal. I mean, it's and besides the fact that we could get the natural gas domestically, which people forget up until that point was like we imported a lot more oil than we do currently. Yeah. Uh, And then you got to look at community effects too. So, I mean, this is just an example, but like a pipeline went through where through Ohio recently, I don't, I don't remember how big it actually is, but like it went across my high school's land and like the tax they get from that is just insane. They canceled a levy entirely for a year on the local people. And I mean, that's like, 1.5% 1.5% of their income or something like that's yeah. a big deal for a local community. So there's like all these competing interests when you talk about like, well, why do we subsidize these fuels? It's like, well, you know, because life is complicated and it'd be nice if we could just do the absolute perfect thing for the environment and the earth, but you know, it doesn't always happen that way. Right. I've had a friend of mine um, who've had actually like wells in on their property Oh like yeah, be approached by, you know, whether it be uh, First Energy or like Dominion or whoever, and um, yeah, they they uh, get a little little bit of a penny for for discovering that. But yeah, yeah. So I I this is getting a little more out from what I really know, but I've seen some things um, in oil and gas world. So in the United States, people have the mineral rights to their own land, mm-hmm. and there's also a ton of shale gas and the United Kingdom, but the land rights don't work the same there. And so it just like never developed because the federal government decided, nope, we're not going to do this. Oh, wow. For better, yeah, for better or worse. Like, yeah. Not really, I really don't know which one of those was a better or worse thing. But <laughs> like, I've seen people talk about that difference that are into policy and econ and stuff. I think it depends on which, <laughs> what your political ideology is. Like as a, I don't want to state any political affiliations, but I'm not in favor of like too big a government. I feel like someone like that would be in favor of like having the mineral rights to their own land. Like 
Yeah. <laughs> but it makes sense in the UK that that is not a thing because they're not as democratic historically. But yeah, so, so who are like, which it's probably easy to guess, like some of the big play. And I, I, and I had this down as like some of the winners in the space, but I, I think I kind of like transformed this in my head to like some of the biggest players in renewables. Mm-hmm. And I think some of those, I mean, they're the pretty obvious ones, right? The gigantic companies like GE, Berkshire yeah. Hathaway, Energy, <laughs> old Warren Buffett. Yeah, uh, Tesla to an extent. They're kind of Tesla. They're all about the batteries. Yeah. Uh, technically not renewables. Don't yell at us, guys. Come on. Right. And some people do have an issue with what battery production actually does to the environment as well. With yeah, they're in mines and yeah. I mean, even even wind and solar, like you need, they have to cover so much real estate. You're disrupting the environment using those. Yeah, it's tough. I don't like to go there too much because then you kind of get into a space where maybe you're, well, not me, but a lot of people are being disingenuous trying to be like, I don't know. See, oil is the best thing we can do. Yeah. yeah. But it's, uh, but actually, so you, you want to talk about winners. Some of the biggest winners and the ones that will be winners long-term in the space are the big oil operators. Yeah. And when I say operators, for people who don't know, that's like the oil companies that are enormous and they own the actual rights to the oil, which there's a whole infrastructure, right, in the oil business. And a lot of the companies that make money just do like the services, like the drilling and all that kind of stuff. And they don't actually mm-hmm. own the oil. But the ones that own the oil are like uh, Shell, Equinor, ExxonMobil. Uh, Chevron, like these huge, huge companies. Right. And if you look at some of their, I mean, they've been diversifying their portfolios for a while because they're not stupid, right? Like they know this, exactly. they can't just like do only oil forever. But like when you look at some of their numbers just on like net who is contributing the most to renewable R&D, it's them because they have the money and they can. <laughs> right. And like I think personally, I think, and I don't know, I'm sure the government does this to some extent, but like we would be stupid to not, even even if you think it's unfair because they were the winners in this this space for a long time, and now we have this problem with climate change, then maybe they should have to pay for that, and they yeah. probably should to some extent. Yeah. But the forces at work there are so strong, and they employ so many people, and they have so much infrastructure already. It would be stupid to not try to force them into a hard pivot to help us build this infrastructure faster, right? Right. In- it's so expensive, right? Like, there's, there's not, there's, there's really going to be like Tesla's a rare, Tesla's a unicorn. There's really going to be a startup to disrupt an industry like automotive and energy. <laughs> it's just impossible. Like, <laughs> it's, it's practically impossible. And we're going to talk about uh, socially responsible investing a little bit, but it's hard to get funding for projects like that. Yeah. And like, who better than? Because R and D is expensive. Who better than the people with the infrastructure and the money? Oh, so, they got a lot of money on hand. <laughs> yeah, a lot of money. I've seen, and, we talked about space resources week one. I've, I have not met any of these people. What I've heard of like shell shell reps walking around at these like space resources um, conferences and stuff, just like, what, what do you call that? When like a big company wants to invest in something that has nothing to do with them. There's, there's a term uh, for that. I can't remember what it is. <laughs> 
I can't think, but. But yeah, just these people who are empowered to like go scout out basically like, hey, what could we add to our portfolio? It has nothing to do with what we have now. We have the, the capital expenditure to invest in yeah. it. Like, yeah, it's like, the, it's, it's absolutely necessary for, I think, I think for, you know, these companies to get involved. Not only do they have the money and the infrastructure, they are, they have the knowledge to oh, deal yeah, with these sort of things, you know? And um, I think, I don't know this for sure, but I mean, I guess you can expound on it, but I'm sure some of the tech, technology and things like that are very transferable from one. From yeah, definitely on the, I mean, I guess it depends what type of renewal we were talking about, but for sure on the like power generation side, right? Like yeah. the infrastructure that exists there, that's not, all totally different between the different technologies. Um, I mean, these big, I mean, I, a lot of them don't do like solar chemistry or anything like that, but these companies still employ like a bunch of the smartest chemists in the world. Yeah. <laughs> the, yeah. the amount of intellectual capital they have is incredible because they can afford the thing. Right. Uh, so yeah, I mean, they definitely have the resources to do yeah. all kinds of different things. Isn't it actually, actually um, sorry, there's a whole, this is bigger in Europe, but like district heating where they try to make these complicated like citywide systems where they're basically using the fact that the ground is a good insulator. So they mm -hmm. like incorporate shallow reservoirs of like air basically into their heating and cooling systems because it helps them save energy. And so then fundamentally that's something like a petroleum reservoir engineer could step right into that job. You know a little bit yeah. about what I'm talking about because it's just like the flow of fluids underground still, right? So yeah, there's all kinds of ways that they could take their human capital that they already have and knowledge that they already have and put it into this space. Right. Isn't it nice to just have the best chemists in the world because you can pay the yeah, best chemists in the world? <laughs> I don't know How why, much do you want? I don't know why I'm working for the federal government, man. I should just go out and work for the model company. <laughs> well, I will say from my experience and knowing people that work for the federal government, it is much easier to get a job for some reason after you've done that and yep. i say for some reason because <laughs> some government positions are i don't want to like trash people who work for the government because you know but uh but some, a lot of waste yeah there's a lot of waste there's they need to trim some of the fat but yeah no it's it's a good path to go for some people out there it's interesting because of course we talked about um these big players investing in this space, but it's tough to get private funds to actually to do it. And I understand like the pros and cons, like it's like you're limited. Number one, you're very limited though. I mean, it's, it's a feel good story more so than it is like a realistic investment uh, opportunity or <laughs> like that. Like if you want to pull on your own heartstrings, you can throw like a, like a sustainable company in your portfolio. Mm -hmm. But in terms of like people who solely invest in what we call them sustainable investors, they don't do well. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> no, they don't do well. They don't do well when compared to like the standard indices. So if you're track, if you're looking at um, the S and P 500 over a three, five or 10 year period, mm -hmm. um, sustainable per investors underperform. But I mean, it is 
it depends on like how your moral scale is weighted, I guess. Yeah. Well, and really, going, something like that then, like, I mean, how do you, that a hundred percent has to just come from the company leadership at the top. Like you have to have yeah. some, someone who is willing to do that and then willing to tell the, the shareholders that they're going to, you're going to take a loss and we're going to do this the right way, but you're still going to make a little bit of money. Right. <laughs> right. Some, which a lot of, yeah, <laughs> sorry. Yeah, go on. Oh no, no. I was just going to add to your point, which a lot of people aren't, aren't on board for. <laughs> yeah. But with, um, with these gigantic players in, in this space kind of popping up or winning in the space per se, we don't know what type of spinoffs you can see, you know, because like yeah. right now, I think the issue with with getting a return on on sustainable projects is number one the costs, mm-hmm. and unfortunately, research and development is very expensive, and those expenses are not attached to any revenue stream. You're literally just burning money to find things out. So, with uh, big companies like the big oil companies and GE and Berkshire Hathaway having the knowledge and the infrastructure already set up, you could invest in those businesses or aspects of those businesses if maybe they're like a conglomerate or something and you can invest kind of separately, then then you can still have the feel-good story and <laughs> kind of get some of this. Yeah. I mean, there'll be a little bit of oil profit sprinkled in there, but like, come on. You could only oh, do yeah, so not to like burst everyone's bubble, but you know, these okay, like you go to the North Sea. There's waves mm-hmm. everywhere, they're horrifying, it's the Arctic Ocean, it's dangerous. You put this enormous oil platform out there and you drill like twenty really deep wells off of the same platform, and the platform's like automated and it's decked out with all these robots and stuff, so you don't have to worry about safety as much and all this crazy shit. And after you're done, you've spent like I can't remember what the costs are. It's insane. Like mm-hmm. millions or billions of dollars. I wish I remembered the, the average number right now, but I don't. Um, but these these wells they produce for like 30 years before they're dead. Yeah. There's there's wells getting drilled today on these offshore platforms. So I promise you we're gonna keep producing oil for decades from now. And that's not gonna change. Someone already spent a lot of money on it. Yeah. So, you yeah. know, we got we got problems. We gotta <laughs> we gotta be realistic yeah. about how we tackle these problems because you know right. you just, this this is almost like in this space, I would say, I feel like it has surpassed like outer space exploration stuff in terms of things that young people are excited about going and doing. You think so? I, I kind of get that vibe a little bit. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I don't have like a quantitative <laughs> measure for that. Just like the, the relative growth of each like state space has always been yeah. one of the things that's at the top and it's stayed, you know, steady or maybe even waned a little bit. Hopefully it comes back up. But like just even since we were in high school, like, a lot everyone wants to work in the space in the energy space so yeah but yeah so i mean and that's good to a certain degree um if the talent's there we got more minds working on these these issues more minds lead to more solutions so yeah i have a question what's that 
I mean, it's like kind of a question for the ether if you don't know it, but like, um, <laughs> hard to say. <laughs> Go shoot, shoot, James. What? What? Are we? We still doing hydroelectricity these days? Is the Hoover Dam still up? <laughs> still yeah, running in, in places where it makes sense. Yeah, I mean, why not? Yeah. Alaska gets like a ton of energy from hydroelectricity, believe it or not. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, yeah. I bet, I bet our friend Rody can talk to us about the devastating effects on the river ecosystems. So, yeah. Future better for the listeners. Yeah. yeah. Too bad he couldn't be here this week. And yeah, we got plenty of weeks. Yeah. That's yeah. hope. I mean, yeah. So, I think actually this is an important point. Um, energy of the future needs to be it's going to be localized and it's going to be high tech mm -hmm. so it's going to take a lot of skilled like technicians and scientists and, and engineers to put it together but these systems all need to optimize for the area they're in so some areas there's you know maybe there's a volcano nearby and you have this awesome source of geothermal energy you can find that's great that's perfect then in other areas maybe you're um, in the high Arctic somewhere and certain times of the year you can get a lot of sunlight. Other times you can't, uh, certain types of certain times of the year, there's lots of wind. Other times it's not like these, a lot of these renewable sources fundamentally are very location based, which yeah. oil is not in the, in the sense that you can transport oil somewhere and use it on site, but you can't do that for most of these. So it takes like more, local investment and expertise to make these energy systems work as good as they can. Mm -hmm. So um, do you think the giants are capable of, capable of that, like pivoting to, to a view like that? Um, ooh, yeah, that's a good question. Because it's hard for gi giant organizations to, yeah. though it may seem like they have their tentacles and everything, but it's very difficult for big right. organizations like, to operate people, like, that. like people within the organization that are in one silo that have no idea what the rest of the organization yeah. is doing that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, no. So the, in that sense, they will probably focus on larger projects, right? Yeah. Um, and so then maybe just like with the natural gas revolution in the United States, there's probably a lot of opportunity for smaller companies to spring up and offer services, right? Right. Um, but yeah, that's things like that. Like I'm assuming the natural is natural gas less capital intensive for startup than say uh, something well, else. Or yeah, so it's way. I mean, it's still really expensive to drill a hole like that. Mm -hmm. But they've like systematized it to the point where they can do them in like five days or whatever. Like it's nothing, right. and then there's like a lot of opportunity for startups in the sense that if you can offer some kind of a service that helps them drill that hole faster, whether that's like through data analysis or sensing, or maybe you've done operations research and you've figured out how to optimize your schedule that you're moving around. Like they need this pump at this time for yeah. all these different wells. Right. So in that sense, there's a lot of opportunity still right. hard to be the person that like gets in, breaks into the high level where you're like actually drilling the hole or owning the oil. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, there's yeah like a, definitely in the sense, like if you compare it to like offshore, like, yeah, there's right. a lot more opportunity for startups. Yeah. And like, yeah, there are sufficient like economies of like learning. So it's, it's efficient enough 
like the processes are down are down pat basically. Yeah. Okay. You want to do this? Start drilling some shit. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> you get eaten alive yeah. out of your hips. Yeah. Yeah. No. So I actually I spent a lot of my master's degree learning about drilling, but the uh, the secret about drilling, if you really want to be a good driller, is you actually have to go be on site for like a decade and watch a bunch of holes get drilled, right? So nice. I, I know the theory, but if you actually made me go out to drill a hole, no, nope, not, you're going to have a bad time. <laughs> yeah. So this is kind of just off the cuff. I know me personally, I'm, a, I'm all for renewable energy. I'm all for investing in these technologies specifically i think once we start to nail batteries much this will start to i think that's like a bottleneck right now batteries are a bottleneck. I mean, if someone could make a battery that was better than a lithium-ion battery that would probably be an enormous gigantic deal yeah I don't know very much about batteries though <laughs> yeah i'm pretty sure that's a th that's a thing i hear so <laughs> as, so as i'm the investor you're you're keeping your eye out for the next big battery. <laughs> yeah <laughs> um so I know personally, I'm for renewables. That infographic on NASA kind of like, I was like, wow, that's that's insane. I don't know if you guys listened to the beginning of the episode, but I saw the oh, infographic about the climate infographic. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So knowing where I stand, I just want to know, you being a second generation oil man, yeah. are you all in on renewables? Uh, what do you mean by all in? Exactly. That was <laughs> so. No. Well, no. Okay, James. <laughs> I just wanted to put you on the spot. <laughs> James, there, there are. I can't. This paper is like five years old, maybe. The research paper, right? Like a review of different types of energy things around the world. So I don't know how this numbers change, but as of like 2014-2015, there were 500 million people living in remote communities where all of their energies all their energy supply comes from like a diesel generator just sitting in the middle of their hub village home mm -hmm. whatever neighborhood and so there's like a big problem still where so much of the infrastructure is still relying on it and like i was saying before like i don't know particularly when like the developed nations like cause this crisis and now nations that aren't developed are going to feel the worst effects of climate change. Yeah. So there's like some element of like, where's the right intersection between these nations also getting the opportunity to use all that energy to make themselves more prepared to cope with it and getting the entire world converted over to renewables. And I don't know where or when that point is. Um, but it's probably, it might not be this century. I don't know. Like, I honestly don't. And like we were texting before, there's still ways too that the oil companies can help with like different types of carbon capture, like yeah, at least mitigate what they're doing. And then we still use plastics for so many things, you know, that comes from oil. Like I just can't see it right. going away. And I don't think people that want to blame these companies, like if they just didn't exist and the government just didn't, give them subsidies and stuff that everything would have been better. Cause that's not true. It's like all of our problem. Like we are all privileged pieces of shit that just use a ton of energy every day. <laughs> like, yeah. We're addicted to it, man. 
Yeah. Literally, I have like three screens running right now. Okay. Literally, my my sixty five inch TV's on behind me. We're gonna get canceled. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Look, I think people. This is an issue that people need to take a realist view about, and like we should all be forward thinking. But just like thinking that you can point a finger at somebody else and yeah. blame them and punish them, I don't know. It's just especially with, like with the amount of um, intellectual capital that people that were educated, like as petroleum engineers, or just in the industry in general, right? Like I have a lot yeah. of peers that are smarter than me that might not have a job in 10, 20 years because of the way things are changing, but they're still really smart. <laughs> like you use that. Yeah. And I think the ability to like point the finger <laughs> is a funny thing because it, it comes from a place of privilege too. Yes. The ability to just be like, Hey, how about we fix the climate? Not realizing that, you're so reliant on your smartphone that was probably built by child slaves and um, you know, you leave your lights on every night that's burning coal in some faraway plant in West Virginia or something like that. I mean, if you take a realistic look at it, it's so like ingrained in our society right now, our reliance on these forms of energy, mm -hmm. which I guess is what you spent the last hour saying. But um, yeah, it's hard it's to just talk about renewables like without talking about oil and gas. Yeah, but um, yeah, I think it just takes a, like you said, a realist. We have to take a look in the mirror first, and you know, assess the situation realistically. But all that's right. all. Those are all my thoughts. But you know, no, I think those are good thoughts. It's it's difficult. Let's be let's be mature about it. Let's be adults. Figure yes. out how we can start get it, getting out of the hole doing things better, helping other countries that still need the energy do things better. Be, yeah. be, be a leader, you know? Be a leader. And just to, I guess we're going to wrap this up, but just to end it, let's put out some winners. Shout out to Chevron, Exxon, <laughs> BP. Hey, <laughs> hey, oil operators. Yeah. Shout out to Simons, GE, Berkshire Hathaway Energy. Shout out to government, wherever they're doing these projects and kind of push this industry forward. Simon's, those freaking windmills. I went to West Virginia to uh, a cabin to like go hiking and fishing stuff like last summer. Mm -hmm. And there were a bunch of, there's of course we passed a coal plant, but like there were also, West Virginia. yeah, they do. They love it. But there are also like the great grandfather was a, was a coal miner. When oh my God! Three generations or like five <laughs> generations of straight fucking. Like, <laughs> well, that was one. That was, one of my, that was my mom's side, not my dad's side, but yeah. Oh, okay. mom's, mom's grandpa mined coal for like fifty years in West Virginia. <laughs> nice. That's awesome. But I was down there, and we were driving up to like Davis, West Virginia. I don't know if you ever heard of it, but um, just hundreds upon hundreds of windmills just on the mountaintops. And it looked insane. I've never seen anything like it before. We don't have a ton in Ohio, though. So it doesn't really make sense because it's like super flat and there's a lot of land. But um, yeah, the, the West Virginia, I guess there might have been some deal between local government and that whoever's running the coal plant to probably do that. But yeah, right. it's kind of cool to see.
Yeah, yeah. No, that's no, that's cool. Yeah, <laughs> it's actually, it was just you know, it's funny. Uh, one of the highest like renewable adoption states is Texas, of all places. Really, I think people don't <laughs> really expect, but it's like, yeah. hey, there's ways. There are proven ways that we do this when we're all working together and trying to figure yeah. it out instead of, you know, playing this normal political game of I gotta pick a side on everything. I'm gonna get pissed at everybody that disagrees with me. Right. And sometimes the demands are just so unrealistic. Like the other side isn't even willing to talk about it. So yeah, we just gotta you know, one step at a time, people. One step at a time. That's right. Brick by brick. Brick by brick. You got anything else? We good? Um, you know, be be more mindful of how sustainable you're living your life. You know, don't leave your TV on behind you when you're recording a podcast. <laughs> Eat a little bit less meat. Yeah, no, no. Uh, let's not get crazy. <laughs> well, I mean, I, a little, just a little bit less, you know, like a little less red meat. Like throw some goat in there. One. All right, everyone, thanks for listening in. Hope you enjoyed our conversation on renewable energy. Uh, leave a review, like, share, subscribe. Uh, discuss it in the comments wherever you get your podcast from. Thank you very much for listening. No energy vampires. That's right. <laughs>